Welcome to the Sword and Trial, the Sword and Trial's podcast of Founders Ministries and Founders Exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. I'm Tom Askell. And I'm Graham Gundon. We're delighted to be joined today by our good friend, Vody Balkum, all yes, the sir. way from Lusaka. <laughs> That's oh. that's especially for you, yeah. we, we do the sound effects when we have special guests here. I thought it was for and a we, minute. We have the AC kick on at the yeah. right moment. You know, it takes us a long time to do that. Yeah, but we're glad to have Vody with us, and uh, we just want to talk to Vody today about things going on in his life, some projects he's working on, uh, some of the things that we'll be addressing at the Founders Conference, and uh, just some of the issues that are going on in the world today, both in Lusaka as well as here in Cape Coral, Florida. Before we do that, let me mentioned that we've got a pre-sale going on in two of our books. One is a, a primer on conflict, and the other is this one by Jim Renahan that we've waited for a long time. It's called To the Judicious and Impartial Reader. It is an exposition of the 1689 Second London Baptist Confession of Faith. Uh, there's nothing like it. Uh, Jim is, I think, the world's leading expert on that document, and uh, these are his more mature thoughts on it. And so you can order this, both of these books, pre-order right now, and deep discount. But when you order Jim's book, you'll also get automatically and immediately an ebook uh, version of it as well. We look forward to shipping these books uh, very soon. In fact, we got good news from the printer uh, just yesterday about uh, when these books might be available. So take advantage of those. And if you are benefiting from the Sword and Trial, we would appreciate if you subscribe to us on the different platforms where you might listen to us and uh, send this episode around to other people as well. So Vody, welcome to Southwest Florida, brother. Thank you. It is good to be back. Yeah, man, it's great to have you back. And uh, you've been pretty busy over the last year yeah. with writing and uh, things that you're doing at the African Christian University. So why don't we start off by just telling us how's how are things going at ACU? You know, things are things are going well. It's it's uh, it continues to be an uphill battle in a number of ways. Um, the most difficult thing that we've been dealing with is is the accreditation process, you know, yeah. and um, dealing with accreditation that is done by the federal government itself. Um, that, that's, that's been a real challenge um, and a real opportunity as well. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, we're a classical Christian liberal arts you know, university, and that's something that, you know, sort mm -hmm. of makes people cock their heads anywhere, uh, but, you know, there as well. And so we've been able to sort of advocate for that and continue to, to fight to hold on to that. And, uh, but it, it's been good. We mm. had graduation just a few weeks ago and, uh, that was excellent. We had a number of, uh, I think three more, three or four more, uh, graduates with, with BAs. That's great. And, um, you know, I think they were, I think this year they were all, uh, from the business school. Mm. Um, and then we also had our first graduating class, um, from the master's program in the school of divinity. Mm. So that was exciting as well, you know, to have those gentlemen uh, graduate with their MA in pastoral theology. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's been good and we've seen some fruit. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. How long has ACU been going now? Uh, six years. Six years. Yeah, wow. it's been it's been going for six years. Praise now. God, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, I look forward to our first graduates with the Institute of Public Theology. You know, we're a few years away from that, but yeah. man, we're on the pathway, and it's exciting. Yeah, you know, every absolutely. time uh, we take another step. And you're here to teach a course for IOPT. Uh, tell us about the course and what what you're going to be covering. Yeah, the course is called Theology, Worldview, and Ethics. And you know, interestingly enough, it involves. Dr. Renahan's uh, book there, and basically what we do is we 
look at a biblical worldview and then we take a biblical worldview and apply that biblical worldview to ethics. But we look at ethics from, you know, a, a reformed theological perspective. Mm-hmm. And we take the Decalogue and make the Decalogue the foundation for practical ethics. We use the Westminster Larger Catechism and the Second London Baptist Con- uh, uh, Confession um, in order to sort of put that together and learn how to think through things mm-hmm. from a biblical perspective, learn how to um, understand the law, right? The, the threefold division of the law, the three uses of the law, mm-hmm. and then take that and look at practical ways that we then apply the Decalogue and build practical, personal uh, ethics mm. from that. Yeah, that's but wonderful. Do you utilize any uh, case studies, things like that, to help show practically how it works for yeah, in ministry in life? We, we absolutely do. You know, one of the things that's interesting, you know, when I teach, at, I developed this class really for, for ACU, and it's part of our core curriculum. And one of the things that I use to help the students think through it is the fact that, you know, in Lusaka, uh, most people walk wherever they go, right? But but there are very few sidewalks for people to walk on. And, you know, so people are, you know, killed and maimed, injured by cars all the time, just walking around. And so we look at the sixth commandment, you shall not commit murder. And we look at the way that the Westminster Larger Catechism sort of mm. fleshes that out because what they're doing is they're looking at this commandment and they're looking at, you know, from a biblical theological perspective, all of the things the Bible has to say, right, about human life and protecting mm. human life and so on and so forth. And then you sort of build an understanding of what that commandment is pointing at, um, what it commands and what it forbids. And, you know, one of the things that we eventually get to is that if we as Christians within that culture um, really believe God's word and really hold to the and value human life the way the sixth commandment teaches that we ought to value human life, then the bottom line is ACU ought to be a school that produces students who build sidewalks. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it's just a real yeah. practical way for people to see, you know, sort of, what it means to do what we're trying to equip them to do with this class. One of the problems I see uh, so often in contemporary evangelicalism is the separation of ethics from theology. Yes. You know, as if yes. you can talk about how to live if you don't know what life is, who life, yes. who is living. And uh, even the, the 2023 National Founders Conference, what is man? Yes. I mean, we're trying to address that because we've seen the nonsense go on in our culture and Christians kind of get played along with it and don't want to say anything that would be offensive. It's because we've lost our theological foundation. Yeah, we're not connecting the dots. You can't have ethics without uh, transcendent realities, and you can't know transcendent realities or study transcendent realities unless you utilize theology. Yeah. It's just not possible. Yeah, and the and the Ten Commandments, same thing. I mean, these are not arbitrary commandments. This is a transcript of God's own character, the God who created us, mm-hmm. the God who defines mm-hmm. what a man is and what right is, what wrong is, and yeah, to see the see all that come together. I mean, this is a great opportunity. It's right in the heart of what IOPT is about and what you're doing over at ACU as well. So delighted that you're here teaching that. Absolutely, me too. 
Yeah, so tell us about Fault Lines, man. I mean, it's continued to just sell. Uh, I talked to one of the men in our church just a few days ago that he had given the copy of it to his dad, who um, had read it with great profit and, and appreciated it tremendously, wanted to know what he could read next. And uh, you're working on another book now, but you've also got some things coming out, right, with Fault Lines that can make it more user-friendly. Yeah, so tell actually, us about that. We have a video curriculum uh, coming out that, that people can – used to sort of go through it. Are um, you teaching on the video? I am. All right. I am teaching on the video curriculum. Um, You know, we've we've made some adjustments. I didn't read the audio book to the consternation of many. (laughs) (laughs) And um, my response when people ask me, you know, why I didn't read the audio book is, you know, we, we, we couldn't afford me. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but, on, <laughs> but on the video <laughs> curriculum, yes, I, I, I am. Uh, I am on the video curriculum. Good, and uh, we just hope that it will help people to sort of slow down, yeah. you know, and walk through this. So if they've read the book and profited from the book, um, and and would like to, you know, help others, uh, this is just a way that they can can do that, and a way that churches mm-hmm. um, can maybe have conversations about this and yeah. think through it. That's great. And you're working on another book, right? I am. Yeah. So uh, tell <laughs> us what that book's about and then tell us the title of that book. Oh, the book is about this whole same sex marriage fiasco. Yeah. Uh, and, and the title of it is the working title is it's not like being black. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, one of the main arguments that people have made for so-called marriage equality mm. is they've, they've gone to, you know, loving versus Virginia, right. Mm. And the anti-miscegenation laws, you know, and, and basically said that, you know, the same way that the law used to yeah. prohibit people from marrying because they were different races, uh, the same way that that was immoral and eventually became illegal. We ought to think about people of the same sex marrying in the same way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in order to advance that, there has been this concerted effort to conflate um, so-called, you know, sexual orientation with with race. Yeah. Um, you know, Gay is the New Black was mm-hmm. the title of, you know, a very popular article in The Advocate, which is the leading uh, gay, you know, magazine, mm-hmm. news, whatever. Um, and, and that really is the tack that people have been taking. Yeah. And so I'm just sort of addressing that directly. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but just taking a look at the trajectory of where we've gone with this. Mm. It's interesting. I first, the first proposal I wrote for this book, I think was in 2008. Wow. Yeah. And, and nobody wanted to touch it <laughs> yeah. in 2008. Yeah. So when I started working on this book, it was a book warning people about what would happen if we allowed same-sex marriage to be legalized. And now, all these years later, I finally found a publisher for the book, and <laughs> and we're on the other side of yeah. it. And mm-hmm. so now we're looking back at yeah. you know, what happened and where we go from here. Because yeah. unfortunately for a lot of people, uh, they see this as, okay, it's done. The law mm-hmm. is here. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. But beyond that, it's... It's done. The law is here. Let's move on and let's get with the times. Absolutely. Yep. And so Christians are now accepting um, same-sex marriage, not just as something that has been legalized, but as something that because it's been legalized is also now moral and ethical. 
and, and should be ex- accepted and celebrated. Yeah, and it's inevitable. I mean, the, the so-called Respect for Marriage Act. Yes. To see some evangelical writers talk about David French. I mean, I, it just grieved me. I've uh, quit listening to him a long time ago with any sense of hope to be guided by him. But him talking about the, the number of families that would be broken apart, you know, these, these wonderful families be broken apart if this were to be overturned. And I, I hate that thought that we're being moved to think of this as inevitable. This is just right. the way of the world. This is the right. way things are going. No, right. no. I mean, Roe v. Wade was declared by the Supreme Court to be law of the land. Mm-hmm. And by God's grace, we're able to overturn that. And I think Christians... And think about how many people started treating that like it was just inevitable. Exactly. Yeah. Think about how hard it became to get people motivated to be part of the pro-life movement yeah. once they accepted yeah. that as inevitable. Right. And I think that's happening even more rapidly with the same-sex marriage movement. You know, it, it's interesting... Um, we're on the eve of the Founders Conference. You guys are going to be doing a pre-conference on Christian nationalism. And your point in which you said that, you know, once it became law, we started to say, let's get past it. But then it's become more than that. Let's get past it and let's just kind of accept it in its ethical dimensions. And celebrate it. And yeah, celebrate, celebrate it. it. Yep. And, it, and it reminds me of, again, this use of the law as teacher right. and even subservient to the gospel that as a society has laws which reflect the eternal moral law of God, that society becomes you know, convinced of proper ethics. And when they're convinced of proper ethics, that makes fertile soil for the gospel to go forth and be planted uh, because they have a sense of what is right and wrong. They have a sense that they themselves are guilty before a holy God and the gospel can come in and and show them the, the way of salvation in Christ. And so it's so important, I think, for Christians who have any sort of say over the politics of their land and any sort of say over what happens in their own nations to actually advocate uh, not just for moral laws, but actually advocate for Christian laws. Mm-hmm. I think it has to do a lot with the whole Christian nationalist discussion. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, the the law does have uh, a, a pedagogical nature to mm-hmm. it. And I think we've lost that probably as mm-hmm. much as the law being a rule of life for Christians mm-hmm. in the evangelical world today. And if you think about it, we ought to be, and we are, for evangelism. But when you look at guys like David Brainerd, you know, what did Brainerd do when he went to evangelize uh, the American Indians? Uh, he taught them the Ten Commandments. He taught them the Ten Commandments. And once they got the Ten Commandments, he taught them the gospel so that they understood that they have broken the commandments and they need to be reconciled to the God against whom they have sinned, yeah. whose law that he has broken. Mm-hmm. And we, we've just so missed you, So you know what you need to be saved from. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And, and why? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if there is no law that you've transgressed, mm-hmm. then why do you need saving? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And yeah. so when having lost that, now we've got this $100 million campaign that's all over the media. He gets us. You know, right. that, that's what evangelism has been reduced to. Right. You know, you got a Savior who is an immigrant. we got a Savior who knows what it was to be outcast. And, I, and he gets us. And so he can identify with you and, and let him identify with you and, and the whole idea you of You are the heart of the gospel. That's right. <laughs> I know. It's just not Christ. You yeah. are the heart of the gospel. Yeah, yeah. So man, your course is just going to be timely. It's wonderful. And encourage folks, if you're not familiar with IOPT, go to Institute of Public Theology.org, learn about it. You can audit courses. Uh, we're recording these, so they'll be available as well for folks that want to take that. So in your new book, uh, you're dealing with this whole issue that now we're seeing in our rearview mirror you know, yeah. a few years ago, we could have anticipated or should have anticipated some things happening, but it's also branched out far beyond what 
probably you could have imagined in 2008. Yeah. Because we've got this whole LGBTQ agenda. We've got drag queen story hour right. agenda. And it just seems like that. The, and, and it's the all part. Yeah. It, it's, it's just another boxcar in the social justice train. Yeah. Once you understand that, that this is critical theory, right? That, that this is neo-Marxism. Um, then you understand that, you know, in that worldview, this worldview that divides everything into categories of oppressors and oppressed, this worldview um, is is atheistic, mm-hmm. materialistic, um, and does not believe that there is absolute truth or absolute morality. And so morality comes from whoever is the hegemonic power, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, this hegemonic power creates a morality, uh, usually uses religion in order to create that morality. And that morality is just the tool through which they oppress people mm-hmm. who are not members of the in group. Um, and so it's not just, you know, white people, it's white, male, heterosexual, cisgendered, able-bodied, you know, Mm -hmm. native-born, you know, and and when you get down to the bottom of it, Christian, Mm -hmm. right? And so you see these oppression wheels. I don't know if you've seen these oppression wheels where, you know, they have concentric circles. um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, on the inside of the circle is the, the power position, and on the outside of the circle is the oppressed position. And so on the on on the ethnic category or racial category, it will have, you know, white people and then on the end of it and, you know, on the inside of the, or the people of color who mm-hmm. are the oppressed. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to so-called sexual minorities, which mm-hmm. again, that's yeah. a novel yeah. term, right? right? Sexual minorities. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Sexual minorities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's this neo-Marxist ideology. Traditionally, it's meant perversion. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. this neo-Marxist ideology. So w- when you understand it that way, you understand that what we're dealing with is um, a further advance of this neo-Marxist ideology. And it's really interesting because it's sort of morphed over the years and continues you know, to morph into stranger and stranger yeah. things all the time. And it, it, it's a parasite. It, yeah. it gloms onto anything and everything. Right. So knitting clubs aren't immune. Bicycle clubs aren't immune. Right. Churches aren't immune. And it, right. it, one of the things that we've got to do as Christian leaders is wake up and recognize what is at play. Yes. Because it'll take some good things like sex abuse, which obviously horrible. We need to deal with sex abuse. Right. We need to care for victims. We need to put perpetrators in jail. That's a wonderful and a right good thing for Christians to, to think about. But whenever that gets brought into critical theory, it becomes weaponized so that the gospel that is proclaimed by those who are banging the drum the loudest is a gospel of grievance. It's not the gospel of grace. And man, we are seeing that in spades today, not just in that area, but in other areas as well. And it all comes back to this whole idea, this Marxist agenda of critical theory, which is committed to deconstruction. Right. And the other thing that we need to keep in mind, this is, this is what we need to, we don't have to do rocket science on this, just simple arithmetic. If the argument is that gay is the new black, if the argument is that sexual orientation 
um, is is akin to somebody's race or ethnicity. And then we take that argument and we say that it's wrong to discriminate against same-sex couples who want to get married to the same degree and for the same reason that it's wrong to discriminate against you know, inter-ethnic couples who want to get married, then how long do we think religious exemptions exactly. are going to stand? Mm-hmm. Do, do you think that, you know, that the culture would accept a religious exemption for people to, um, let's say, not do weddings of, of a, a white person and a brown person? Do, do, do we think that, that, you know, the culture would look at that religious exemption and say, oh, yeah, that's perfectly fine. Well, if this equation over here is what I said that it is, then we cannot expect for long for religious exemptions right. on this issue either. Right. It will, it already, it's already deemed an immoral act and will eventually be deemed an illegal act. Yeah, yeah. There, I've heard of emails being sent to pastors and churches saying, hey, you know, uh, my family wants to come to church. Will we be accepted? Or uh, me and my uh, future spouse want to get married. Can we talk to you about this? And, yeah. you know, and what it is, it's, yep. it's homosexuals or mm. LGBT. Yeah, it's a setup. Set up. Mm. They're trying to get them to expose them. And uh, it's you're going to be made to care. Yeah. You know, you, you're not going to escape this battle. We are in it. And we need to have our eyes wide open and become rock ribbed solid about yeah. what the Bible says, what it doesn't say, and take our stand and be willing to take the hits because they're coming. Yeah. It's like that, that age old question. What do you call a person in a fight who doesn't know it? The loser. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I know it's a, it's uh, difficult for a lot of Christians because we love peace and we don't want to be out there warring all the time. And you know, I I get that. I'm, I'm very much there, but these are people who are at war with us. That's right. Mm -hmm. They're at war with our God. They're at war with our gospel. Yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, the big bad wolf, the evil hegemonic power in the Western world is Christianity. That's right. yeah. I mean, at, at, at the end of the day, yeah. it's the church that's the enemy of this modern movement. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I was screaming at the top of my lungs. Um, you know, when I was running fault lines, mm-hmm. you know, don't 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 miss this. Don't miss the fact that this is part of an ideology. Yeah. They, they, you know, you throw out a bunch of stuff that people are happy to grab onto and be a part of. Um, but what that does is it causes them to miss the ideology and the perspective from which people are coming. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think what a lot of maybe leaders in the broader evangelical world would say is, you know, we can't be people who are known more for what we're against than what we're for. And we are called to love these people um, as Jesus loves sinners. And we're called to love our enemies, even if they are at war with us. All those things are true. Absolutely. Um, But we're not just trying to protect ourselves against the predations of others who would seek to harm us. We're trying to protect ourselves and our neighbors. We're trying to protect mm-hmm. ourselves and our families. We're trying to protect, protect ourselves and our churches and other churches and people in our churches. Um, and so it's not just a kind of a self-defense yeah. um, posture that we're taking, but it's a defense of what is true, what is right, what is beautiful, and a defense of, of others who are innocent, who are being um, abused by mm-hmm. people who hold to these ideologies. Yeah, and I think that's a cop-out too this whole idea of being known more for what we're against than what we're for. Mm -hmm. People know what we're for, right? I mean, 
you know, for thousands of years, people have known what we're for. There's, there's no doubt about what we're for. Mm. When people are saying that, it's a cop-out. Um, and, and, and when people are, it's either a cop-out or it's a weapon, mm -hmm. right? Um, it, it's a weapon that is used by those people who want to continue to force us to cower in a corner and apologize yeah. for everything, right? Yeah. We'll never apologize enough until the gospel has been eradicated, right? And so, no, I don't, I don't buy that. Mm. I'm, and I'm not worried about that. Mm. If, if people are warring against God and warring against his Christ and they're warring against me, because I am a child of God and a follower of Christ. Well, in that context, you need to know me for what I'm against. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and I make no bones about that. Yeah. I mean, that look what they did to our master, you yeah. know, so why should we be surprised? And uh, I think it was Luther who, who made a statement similar to this, that you, you can't just say yes, you've got to say no. Yes. You've got to have an antithesis as well as that which you affirm that you believe. And uh, when I teach preaching, when I think about preaching myself, I, I talk about uh, being discriminating in application. Yeah. Because it's you can preach in a way where you say true things and it doesn't do any good. You know, you're just affirming things. You're yeah. saying things. You, you can be faithful to the text even in many ways, but you haven't drawn out the implications. And it's like saying, okay, to, to discriminate in preaching, this is a horse and this is a cow. And the cow's not the horse, and the horse is not the yeah. cow. And if you don't start doing that, if you just talk about, hey, this is a horse, and we all got horses, and we need our horses, somebody rides in on a cow, they're thinking, oh, okay, yeah. I'm on a horse. Yeah. No, when you say, no, 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 you're on a cow, it's not a horse, that's yeah. when they get upset with you. Right, exactly. And that's exactly what we need, though, yeah. is to help people to get in the right way of thinking and living. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, to go back to your, your point about those people who say, you know, we ought to be known more for, you know, for what we're for than what we're against. Those are some of the same people who will chide us for being confessional. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because being confessional is about being clear about That's what we're right. for. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there are people who condemn you for always being against something and then <laughs> condemn you for being confessional. Yeah. Right. So which is it? Because yeah. <laughs> when I'm confessional, I want you to know what I'm just, for. Just shut up. And That's what, what exactly. Just shut up. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, Vody, it's great to have you here with us, brother. Always delighted to see you. Look forward to your ministry, your teaching, and I uh, want to continue to pray for you. Glad yeah. to see you being healthy as well and how God's uh, continuing to give you strength and restore you there. So if you want to know more about what's going on with Vody in uh, ACU, you can go to the ACU website. Do you have that yes. memorized? What is that? Um, you can go to acu-usa.com. Okay. And, um, and or then ACU Divinity. Com okay, for the either community. one of those. And then for the Vody Balkum Ministries, where do you find I, information on that? Vodibalkum.org. Okay, so it's easy, easy to go there. And again, for the Institute of Public Theology, go to instituteofpublictheology.org. And we'd be glad to hear from you. Any way we can serve you, let us know. And if this episode's been helpful to you, then share it with others and uh, like it and encourage others to subscribe to The Sword and Trial. Till next time, glad to have you with us. <laughs>